Hello, vinyl lovers. I'm Antonio Staropoli. And I'm Chris Myers. And you're listening to Taste of Vinyl. You know I want to <laughs> rock and roll all night. And party every, every day. Every day. <laughs> Freaking love this. Thank God. Thank God. All right. Welcome, listeners. We've got an awesome episode for you today. With us is a musician from Laredo, Texas, Josh Blade. He's a guitarist and vocalist for the Maples, and he's also owner of Blade Records. Glad to have you on, man. How you doing? Doing great. This is really fun. <laughs> something something cool to do. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we're psyched to have you on, man. Um, we, we really like your music, uh, so we're, we're excited to, to talk to you about all that stuff. So um, first thing that we'd like to ask... Analog or digital? Analog, always. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, so like, I'm going to follow up in, like, what context? Analog is in a... I grew up with it, so vinyl. Like, I, that's my favorite thing. Right. So, like, in a listening sense, have you... Oh, yeah. when, when you've recorded, have you recorded analog or, or digital? Sadly, recorded digital mainly because okay. it was a bit more like expensive to do analog, but also oh, yeah. the the like all the transferring and all the effects, and it just would have been a lot more easier to to just do it digitally. But we recorded yeah. it uh, in more of a style that's analog, which is like recording to the amp, not directly in, into the interface. So gotcha. we did. Gotcha. So mo- most of the things we did were more of the analog sense. Okay. That's cool, man. That's awesome. And look, there's nothing wrong with with recording digitally either. You know, it's just. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. Like, we, like, we like to know. Yeah, yeah. That that was my big thing. I wanted to record analog. Like I, I've always like seen reel to reel tapes, like bands recording that, like in the seventies. <laughs> yeah, and I wanted so cool. to do that too. And then my producer was like, "Okay, dude, that's awesome. That's all great, but you gotta understand, you're gonna be very limited to this and this and that." Like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine like having to like stop tape and like punch in yeah. stuff. That's you're doing that all manually. So that's like, I can't imagine how long. Oh, yeah. It's a, a lot of work. If you want to yeah, do like right. very precise and everything. And right. That, and uh, he was just more keen to, oh, but I know all this and that. It's like, okay. All right. We'll do it like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, right. Right. I, I've been like a huge analog guy for, for so long that, uh, like when I started the Maples, all I was recording on was on cassette recorders. Oh like, wow! Because, I, because <laughs> I, I was very fascinated by. Uh, I, have you guys heard of a band called the the Germs? Yeah. In the seventies. Well, I was fascinated while, with that but... band. Yeah, I was fascinated right. with the way they recorded the single uh, forming, and I saw the movie when I was a lot younger, and they were recording on a reel to reel, and I was like, oh, I want to record like that, and then like I found out, wow, this is like really expensive. But I went to Goodwill. <laughs> And I found a cassette recorder and I was like, let me try recording on this. And I, I was like, wow, this sounds amazing. And people were like, dude, that sounds terrible. I was like, what are you talking about? This is great. <laughs> and, you know, just I kept playing with it and buying a bunch of blank cassettes and recording all day and like doing all my recordings until one day one of the tapes popped. And I was like, what the heck? No, I lost it all. <laughs> and like, oh, no. I, lost, like, I lost like a 60 minute tape. And like, oh, I was no. like, you know what? Shit. <laughs> So then I realized, okay, how did it just pop, dude? That's crazy. It was just like, 
rewinding and because then I figured out, oh, I could record on top of it. So then I kept rewinding and doing it and doing it. Uh, and, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But too much like, information maybe on, on, on the tape. Yeah, I think it was just too much information, too much forwarding and backwards. But right, I had already okay. like recorded a bunch of tapes, but it just so happened I didn't stop myself until that happened. And then, uh, and then <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, I'm gonna do both at the same time. Do record wow. like on my phone, and then one on the cassette recorder, and just have just have two available sources just in case. And yeah, it's I started have, the Maple like by recording like that. Nice, <laughs> cool, very cool. Nice. Nice. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got involved with music and what led you to start playing the guitar and singing? So my earliest recollection was when I was like, when I was five, (laughs) like my dad, my dad is a big influencer on me. Like, uh, I wouldn't be the person I am today without my dad because he loves old music. Like he, he called, he bought a bunch of vinyl when he was a kid. He fell in love with like the Rod Stewart, the Aerosmith. And wow. uh, he used to get a Columbia house and all this stuff. And, you know, he always wanted to be a musician, musician but it didn't happen. And he, he liked it. And then he showed me music and naturally I wanted to do it. And he was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's awesome. my earliest recollection of me getting into this was I was five years old. I was in Baltimore, Maryland. And uh, one of my dad's uh, friends had an acoustic guitar and I really liked it and Without him even like trying to get me into it, he was just playing, and I I really liked it. And from then on, like I wanted to play guitar, I wanted to learn more music. And my dad was showing me all these seventies bands and a track on the cassette on the record player, and it it blew my mind. I grew up like that. I didn't get an iPod until like I guess two thousand eleven or something. And that's <laughs> wow. that's my friends were like telling me like, dude, you got to stop walking around like elementary with a cassette like a cassette player. <laughs> That looks weird. Like, what are you doing? Get an iPod oh. or something. And I was like, dude, no, this sounds awesome. Little did they, little did they know, <laughs> cassette amazing. players and vinyl record players were on, on a big comeback. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> now, now your friends are probably asking you, like, hey, man, like, <laughs> like for real. <laughs> what, should I, what should I listen to music on? You're like, dude, I threw my iPod out. Where do I get a cassette player? Right. Hell yeah. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm also kind of curious how you got your nickname Blade. How, how did that happen? So when I was when I was slowly getting out of elementary into like middle school, I had this big jump of punk of liking punk music, like the Ramones, the Germs, the Clash, and a lot of early '70s punk. And okay. I don't know, there was just something about it that I liked it, the simplicity of it, because I it came from after listening to like Dream Theater and a lot of like Judas Priest fast fast music and i couldn't play that because i was super young and i was still learning guitar but sure. I, when i heard that punk music it was a lot simpler and i really liked that and i was like wow i could play these songs and these songs have a lot of meaning to them so i i indulged in that and um so i was losing my train of thought well wait what was your question again <laughs> how you got how you got your nickname played. okay my nickname my nickname sorry i Okay. I listened to a lot of punk bands, and I noticed their names were not their actual names. They were, like, stage names and stuff right. like that. Yeah, and yeah. I thought, like, oh, this is kind of, like, you know, not that professional. Then I discovered David Bowie, and I like David Bowie a lot. And his, his, his nickname was after, like, Bowie, like the blade, the Bowie knife. And oh, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so I, okay. I, uh, I thought about it, and I was looking at, like, you know, Darby Crash, Pat Smear. Dave Grohl and like I know Grohl is his real last name, but I was thinking, what's a cool like a good name 
for for me and I thought Blade because uh, it was just it was it was a thing within folk music that I was thinking about like how like you know the pen is stronger than the sword. I thought of a pen pen as a blade. That was a more important ah. symbolization. Ah, okay. okay. All right. So there's some symbolism behind that. That's neat. Yeah. That's cool. 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 <laughs> and so you know, I, I you did mention that you know you got started with music at a fairly young age, thanks to your father and you're like five years old, but like, when did you start? Cause I, I know that you, you did say that you played the guitar and everything like that, but was singing always a part of that or did that come later? See, yeah. Singing was a part of that too, because uh, okay. my first ever performance as a kid was uh-huh. in elementary. I, it was in first grade, no, no, in kindergarten, they had a talent show for elementary kids. And I was like, Oh, let me do something. Everybody was shy. This was the first time they ever did a talent show in my school. And there, and I was the first one to sing. And the first song I ever sang was a cover of Friday. I'm in love by the cure. And oh, yeah. no one knew what that song was. Yeah. I was singing the cure. It was, I think I was six years old. I was, oh I think my I God. Amazing! <laughs> you do a cure cover at six years old. Yeah, I did That's it, and great. like, and to this day, people are like, "Dude, I remember when you sang that song." And at the time, none of my teachers, none of my friends, are like, "Oh, that's just a little nice, cute pop pop song." <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> little did they know. Little did they know. That's awesome, man. So, uh, so you've been fair to say you've been playing the guitar and singing for quite a long time since as long as you could. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. So you started to touch on this a little bit, um, because you started mentioning like a bunch of different bands that you're into, but, um, what does your vinyl collection look like? We're interested in what the library looks like. There's, vinyl all over the house <laughs> like literally all over the walls like oh, every wow. time we go to like a goodwill we try to find a cabinet because we need more space for the vinyl <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> and then my and then thanks thanks to liking having a vinyl collection i get a bunch of the mailers and use them for my own records but i have i have yeah like a lot of punk records I have a lot of emo records a lot of folk old 70s rock old 60s rock a lot of fifties, forties. I have some in the living room. I have some in the in between living room and kitchen. I have some in the kitchen cabinet. <laughs> I have some <laughs> wow. over here in my in in my own room. And I, the walls are since I can't put vinyls really on the wall stacked. I bought cassette cabinet cassette uh, racks, and they're all over the walls. <laughs> I even have some like near the bathroom. I don't know. That just it's just there's I'm like look, there's a cabinet. I could put music in here. <laughs> As CDs and stuff. And you're going to take pictures of that yeah. and you're going to send them to us. Yes. You got it. <laughs> we want to see what that looks like. I was going to say. our listeners are going to want to see what that looks like too. Yeah. Hell yeah. Do, do you know how many, like, if you had to put a number on it, how many do you think you have in your collection? I have a good, I want to say it's in between 500 to 1,000. All right. Wow. I was wondering Jeez, if it was going to be 1,000. Like discogs, do you use like discogs? No, I, I use discogs like for my own music, but I don't. Okay. Uh, I don't put my collection on there or anything. Okay. Like for the music that I have, I was thinking like this is gonna take forever. Gotcha. <laughs> but I do buy off of discogs every time. Like there's like a bootleg or something. Like oh man, like 
check that out. We need to get that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, man. Um, so I mean, you described your collection as being pretty eclectic. You have a bunch of different genres. Do you have like a like a go to, like a favorite genre that you feel like you listen to a lot? I listen to a lot of mainly seventies rock, like seventies as in like you know the everything genre wise between there because I noticed. I, I like that a lot. There's a lot of art and a lot of symbolism that was taking place from there that's applied now. And yeah. I guess people nowadays don't really realize where all that symbolism and style came from. But right. I like to listen to it like purely because I like it. Because I know people would see it and be like, oh, that's kind of generic. Like, no, dude, like, there's a lot of like art within this. Like, it's really cool. Like, people like to buy nice. the greatest hits. I like to buy the albums because within each album, there's songs that are not hits that, you know, really meant something to artists. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's really awesome. a great way to look so, at it too. Okay. So, so not so much a genre as much as an era that you like to, to yeah, an era. listen to. Okay. But if I cool. had to put, if I had to put an era, like just, I mean, a, a genre to be just rock seventies rock. Cool. Okay. And how do you experience your collection? Like, how do you listen to it? Turntable, speakers, preamp, kind of want to get an idea of, of that kind of thing. I use a Denon turntable and it is connected to clip speakers. No, it's connected to a Denon receiver okay. and it is okay. connected to clip speakers. And I just, I run that together. And then I have my cassette player is a Nakamichi cassette player. Nice. Uh, like the deck, a uh, cassette deck, okay. and uh, I run that all together, and I play it on there. And uh, the way I listen to music is like you know sometimes in the night, I'm a person that likes to listen to the whole discography. I can't just sit down and listen to like one or two songs <laughs> from a band, and yeah. like I just sit down and just listen to like the progression of the of the of the albums, and it's just I like that. It's really nice. When That's I do that awesome. for artists. So like when you when you listen, you actually want to like absorb. Th- like a band's entire discography and just so you just sit and you're like okay today i'm just i'm gonna listen to like led zeppelin and you just go through like from their debut album all the way through yeah sometimes like i never like sometimes i don't get to finish that right but like for the smaller bands i really do but i do try that like like for led zeppelin for example i like to listen to like the numbered records like you know one through four or something get a really good feel of that that era of Led Zeppelin and get that feel in that. Gotcha. I like that a lot. Sweet, sweet. That's awesome, man. And uh, so you mentioned, you know, you have like a Denon uh, receiver and clip speakers. Is there any kind of upgrade that you would want to make? Like, I don't know if you had like a dream setup. what would you like? What would it look like? Man, I think maybe more room to get bigger clip speakers. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Enough. I, I can relate to that. Absolutely relate to that. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the setup that I have now, like the turntable and the receiver, I think that's fine. It sounds really great on that. I think it's just bigger speakers. <laughs> cool. Okay. All right. Fair enough, man. Do you listen on headphones at all ever? Um, I try not to because mainly because I like to just, vibe in my room because i feel like with headphones like if you listen for too long you start like oh my ears hurt because i've been having these headphones on but when it's just you know and going flowing through the room is just cool i like that i hear you i think i i I definitely listen me personally through speakers more more so than headphones but uh sometimes i don't have the option to listen through the speakers so it's just 
easier to listen through headphones. And I have pretty decent headphones. So <laughs> like, you know, it does, it's not like a terrible experience, you know, oh, but, no, no, no. but my ears do hurt after a while. I'm like, Oh man, <laughs> this is just like, <laughs> even though it's like padded and shit, I'm like, God damn it. Like I, I just, I can't, I can't do it for too long. So I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I totally feel that. Oh, by the way, another main genre I listen to on the record collection is new wave. A lot of oh, new okay. wave. Cool. Like awesome. new wave. Yeah, I love 80s New Wave. Same here. It Same just here. feels uh, so good. Like, it's a great sound. I like Depeche Mode. I, yeah. I put them in that category, and they're one of my favorite bands. If you just, if you're awake like at two in the morning and you just listen to the cars, it's just, oh, it's a whole great experience. <laughs> it is, man. It's, it's so good. And c- kind of on that topic, like, I feel like a lot of us who collect have like one or two albums that were like, so drawn to that we pretty much wear it out on our t- on our turntable like do you have an album that you feel like you constantly spin there's a record that i had to buy again because it just oh, wow. it wore itself out and i feel bad because <laughs> okay. it was the it was like the rarest variant and i felt really bad and i couldn't get another oh, one of that oh. it was the it's the wand laughing matter record it's like a newer record but it's okay. a band called wand they're from california and the record's called Laughing Matter. It's a double record, but man, is that record a trip? It gives it's the same kind of trip you get like with like the wall. Like it's just really cool. What oh, so damn, is okay. it that kind of is it like psychedelic rock or yeah, it's psychedelic rock. It isn't, you know, is nothing is as great as the wall record, but it's the sure. same feeling like a story. Gotcha. It's a story. Cool, cool, man. So do you ever listen to your own music on vinyl? Yeah, sometimes when I like if I ever want to reflect on like you know what what I've gone through what I've done, I like to listen to it to see how how it sounds and you know it's always good to listen listen to yourself sometimes because like you know you like you gotta you gotta remember like you gotta compare like what other bands sound like like back then how it is now and just the differences and get and get some inspiration from yourself like not to sound like you know no. oh I'm full of my stuff but oh, you know no, it's, no. it's good it's good to know that yeah absolutely it's like. It's like looking in the mirror. You got to do it sometimes to know, you know, who you are. That, without a doubt, man. I, makes I total sense. I know that Chris and I listen, you know, to our our own music. <laughs> we, enough, we do. You know? <laughs> yeah. and, and it's for the same reasons. Totally. Totally. Um, but since we're on the topic, let's talk about your band, The Maples. Uh, so, like, how did that all begin? So, that began when uh, when I was starting to play by, my, uh, like by myself as Josh Blade. You know, I was playing and playing and I was going... There was really no scene in my town because it, it was very scattered. And uh, I was playing and I was getting getting some more fans, like friends and fans that would come see me. And I really wa- I really wanted a band. I wanted a band, but nobody played. Like people played music here, but there wasn't as prolific or wasn't as an abundance of people doing right. it when I was when I was in like middle school. And I was in middle school, and I wanted to do a band, and I want. I got a couple people. They couldn't do it. They were like, "Oh, this is not for me." I need, and I and I constantly, constantly was teaching people how to play like bass or guitar, oh, and, oh, wow. and and then I would teach them, and then a week later, you know what, dude, I can't do it. Oh my god! <laughs> so <laughs> I kept doing that over and over and over for years because I wanted to do a band, and then uh, I was like, okay, you know what? If I want to do a band, I need to have a band name to do this and they want and i pick something that isn't so like not so insane like not a big giant name like king gizzard and lizard wizard they're amazing right right something very simple something that that shows what kind of music i'm playing like something like of a soft name 
it has like a has punk roots but it has a bit meaningful lyrics i call the maples because 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 of the people that were coming in and out within the band i named it the maples that represent a tree like kind of like how that's my favorite tree the maple and like you know it gets kind of me the trunk and all the leaves are the people that have joined me within it so it's just one big giant like you know family i guess kind of like guided by voices and i love that that. that's that's fantastic and i'm gonna admit that like Every time I hear your band name, I just like my inner fat kid just thinks of maple syrup. <laughs> yes. yes. Like I can't oh, help yeah. but, I can't help but think of like something sweet and delicious. That so was not a thing. A- Every time like we played a show, we go to like IHOP and that was always the joke. Dude, you gotta get pancakes and put maple syrup, bro. <laughs> That's awesome. But I, I love I love the meaning behind it, you know, like it's very cool that there's, you know, like it means something to you that it's not just a name, you know? Yeah. So we know that, you know, we know what it's like to write and record uh, a record. So can you tell us about your first experience recording an EP? I see when I recorded the, the Maples EP in an actual studio, I think then and there, I was like, Whoa, this is like a whole new level from a a cassette recorder from my room. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this yeah. is a great experience. Yeah, I went to the only recording studio in my hometown. Like, and actually, here's a story for you, real quick. Uh, we're we're playing and playing and playing, releasing cassette demos and selling, and people are just confused, like, "Why are you doing this?" And like, <laughs> then and we would be playing, and then a radio DJ guy uh, heard us and was like, "Hey, like, like I want to record you guys. Like, this is really cool. I have a studio it hasn't been used in years." But I really want you to like. I'm gonna clean it up, and we're gonna record in it. And I wow. thought like, and I thought uh, you know just his house or shed or something. I was like, okay, it's gonna be cool. But no, it was like a legit small, <laughs> like a serious uh, studio. Yeah, like a serious studio. It was very small. It was like this, like a small room size, but okay. it had some history to it. And I was like, well, okay, let's let's try, let's do it. Uh, and he had never recorded a rock or punk band before. He re- he recorded Tejano artists. And the oh last, my god, the, I love the, that. <laughs> and so, like, it doesn't. So that's why it doesn't sound very well mixed. But anyway, the la- one of the last artists to record there was Selena, and and really? they closed Dude. down. And they closed down because she had passed away, so they never really oh, used it again. Wow! And so that they recorded in there, amazing. and it's like, and it just felt like really nice, like you know, like being in the same room, like she was that's, once in once. That's incredible, dude. <laughs> that really dude, is right. Yeah, I, I want to say it's, I think it's on Netflix right now. There's like that yeah, whole yeah. mini series. The Selena series, yeah. I just finished watching it like a couple days ago and like, man, it's so good. It's so good. And it just honestly, it also reminded me of like how good her music was yeah, and how Tejano music is. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, fuck man. Like I really need <laughs> to like, I really need to expand like my musical branches and start listening to like more just stuff that's outside of my normal listening habits. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that's, that's where I need to go first. Like I should do that, you know? Oh yeah. She was, so it was a great way to get into it. Yeah. She was, she was an amazingly talented singer. Her brother was amazingly talented. They just, what, what an incredible story and just such a tragic thing. Yeah. But very cool. Yeah. You got to, you know, kind of be uh, attached to that history in a way where you mm-hmm. were able to record in the same space as her. That's fantastic. Yeah. 
So clarification about it, though, like it was the same studio. I, I wasn't like, you know, the first one, like ever since then. There were some that sure. went in and out, but it was a very like studio that wasn't very used. And right. when we recorded, there, it was amazing. But the person who recorded with us is actually the keyist now for Pete Asadido's uh, music. And who- uh, Pete Asadido is the is a person. If you saw the series. He's the guy with the long hair that sings with Selena. Oh, in, oh, in the yeah, show yeah. Selena. Yeah, yes, yes. Show. Yeah. So okay. in real life, Sorry. that guy came from my my hometown, Laredo. And oh, shit. Uh, that and yeah, so his so now he's playing now by himself and he has a keyist. And that keyist was the DJ guy that recorded REP. Oh wow. cool. That's so fucking cool. <laughs> How cool is that? Oh my god. <laughs> so it's a very small world, yeah. Well, yeah, you know, we say that like when it comes to musicians, um, it really is a very like tight community. It's a small community. It's like you think of like any of your favorite artists and there's like one degree of separation. I was just going to say, you know, yeah. So fucking cool, man. I love it. it. Have you watched the series? (laughs) Yes. I watched the series and when I saw it, I was like, wow, this is, this is because I saw the movie when I was younger because I heard the music. My dad showed me the music. I was like, Oh, this is cool. I wasn't yeah. really into Tejano and I heard her and it's like, Oh, this is really nice. He showed me the movie and I was like, wow, this is, this is like a legacy of a person. And I saw the show and it's like, and then just more in depth into it. And it's just, it's amazing who she was and how big of an impact she, she had on the world. Not yeah, alone sure. just South Texas, like where I'm at, like, and she's like the queen of Tejano. Like it's amazing. Yeah. It's so fucking cool, man. That's it. <laughs> the, history, the history of it. It's, 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 fucking awesome man it, when she died i mean it was just like it it, it like sent shockwaves throughout oh yeah like, you know, she had an impact on the world not just you know not just in texas or like even the united states like literally throughout the world so um, it's amazing how that is like you know because so then they probably thought like you know we it took them so long and who's really listened to us until really into it all you sit back and you see it all at one scope and it's like yes. wow it, was, it impacted the world and how amazing is that like to to have done that very cool very so you you must feel you know uh a real connection having recorded in that studio that's just a a, a really cool story that you have there getting back to your band um <laughs> sorry my bad no no he does it all the time i mean it, this is just what happens man it's we're you know we're just talking you know um so your your second release which is titled Nocturnal Play, came out in 2019, mm-hmm. and then it was released on vinyl this year. Uh, it's, it's a fantastic album. Love it. Tell us about the experience that you had writing and recording that album and how it compared to the first one. Okay. Also, clarification, though, the record came out in 2019, like the, the vinyl, but this year the oh, second oh. pressing came out this year. Oh, oh, okay. Sorry, mm-hmm. sorry about that. No. <laughs> it's okay. <Correct. laughs> Came out okay. Second pressing this year. Got it. Yeah, which is great. Also, like I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, that's great. So back to your question, how did it feel recording? At that time, uh in 2017, when I had well, 2016 really, when I was recording it, I thought, wow, this is this is it. I could just come back here and record like albums. <laughs> and then uh-huh. the producer guy was like, dude, look, I'm gonna be straight up with you. If you want this is your demo. And I, I was like, what? This is my demo? Are you kidding me? I was recording in my house on a cassette recording. What do you mean this is my demo? <laughs> like, this is like, this is next level. And he's like, no, this is just a demo for an album. And I'm, I like this. 
like you know if you want something better you have to go out and get it and like i re- i didn't think about that until i was you know finally going out branching out playing in austin and in san antonio over and over and then uh, i have a have a close connection with uh, the singer of wand and he told me dude like you're playing 12 songs a night and you only you're selling five of them like go record an album and you know gave me more and more inspiration to record it and when i did when i went to Austin, it took a lot of planning to do so. It was mind-blowing. I thought, whoa, this is like something else. Like, I guess when uh-huh. when you're somebody that, like, you know, I guess really started really young, doing it over and over and over, like playing show after show after show, not knowing, like, where you're going to go the next day. I didn't really have, like, a like a plan. Like, I did have, I do have plans, but not some, something super huge. Like, I guess, like, in the Selena show, the dad was like, oh, we got to get a number one. So it wasn't like that. I just, you know, I just want to release music and it came naturally. And when I got there, it, I really, I really appreciate it. Like the next step that I get every, every time I do, like even talking with you guys, it's amazing. You all are like the, like the, the, the zines of this era. Like, you know, it's amazing. Like, it's really, really nice. And when I was in there in the studio, I thought, what an amazing place. And the place was an amazing, the place was amazing. What an amazing studio great producer and actual like you know rock producer produces emo rock and he knew what he was doing he kept picking my brain at all the little musical things it kept changing little things and, and i was like hey what the heck he's like dude i know what i'm doing <laughs> relax my guy <laughs> and well, it's meeting, like, meeting great musicians and stuff what did you say I, I said that's that's what it's like when you work with a producer they're like eh, we're gonna just tweak a little thing here and yeah. there yeah Sometimes you may be like, what? But other times you're like, holy shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that, that was an amazing experience. I'll never forget that. Like, I really appreciate what I did back then with the EP and with the album was a whole new level. And it, I, I really appreciate it. It's it's love and care you give to your own music. And when you finally get to that place in time with your music, it's just it's quite wonderful. And you, all you have is memories of it. And if you put it on physical media, you could share that memory of the world and digital. That's fantastic. For sure. I love, man. That. I love your passion uh, for it. <laughs> Just the way that you speak about, you know, your music and I, you know, it's, I, I don't want to, okay. absolutely, man. I, I don't want to keep, you know, going back to it, but like we, we can relate, you know, like we, we relate to that. So we know what that's oh, like. Oh yeah, of course. So, so, um, and that's why we we're doing what we're doing. Like you said, like we're, you know, we're like the new zines, like the, these podcasts are kind of like the new zines of the era. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're just glad to be able to, you know, kind of give back and any kind of exposure that we can provide anybody, you know, we're happy to do. So if we hear something, we're like, oh, this is cool. We need to like tell the world about it. Like we need to tell the world. So let's tell the world about <laughs> it. Exactly. And that's a great mission you all have there. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's thanks, really, dude. really nice. And so did you actually end up like, um, and I know this, this might not apply, but did you tour in support of that record? It's funny you say that because, you know, what Nocturnal Play is, is basically, because I, I have a lot of songs that I've written, and I could have just chosen my favorite, but I chose everybody's favorite when we played live. Right. I chose the ones that had, had a bigger impact on people and would have played them live, and that's what it is. People are always joking. Then this is like the the Maple's greatest hits record. <laughs> <laughs> like people always joke about that, and and I guess it is to them because they really like it a lot. So we 
so technically we had always been touring for it, even though it hadn't been released yet, because we were playing those same songs before. And now that we had released it, um, since I've gone, I got older, my friends got older as well. And, you know, they were going to college and stuff. And so we only had to only were able to achieve a acoustic acoustic band tour for it in December okay. of 2019. And we did like, I think like six shows in like three days or something insane like that. It was amazing. Wow. And uh, it was really cool. And yeah, uh, like, did you, when you say like you played six shows in three days, like, was that like a text Texas thing or, or oh, did yeah, you go? Another Texas thing. Okay. Okay. Oh no, we didn't, we didn't go too far. We just, we did it in a weekend, uh, a weekend and then an extra day at here at a, Played a second in Charles, but um, yeah, we did that, and then we were going to do the full Ben one next, the next year, because like we're gonna have more free time in Jan, like uh, because the school is ending, for like the semester is ending, and we're like, what a great way to start, like you know the full band thing for South by Southwest. So our so we got three shows for South by Southwest for 2020. We had booked from March all the way to July. Oh, and wow. we had like you know shows planned all the way for the whole year, and the reason we didn't we didn't play in January and February because we we're practicing and practicing. These guys, the guys that I had, my friends that were like really serious about it, like dude, like now now that you have a record, now we really can fuck up. Like we had to really do. It. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like they wanted to practice and practice. <laughs> now now you have to make sure that you're on point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the good thing about it too, back then, like. Like I said, I, I would teach my friends how to play the songs and, you know, teach them how to play in general. Now right. the people that can play, they're like, okay, now you have an album. We can just listen to it and we know what to do now. And, you know, we had all that planning and, you know, it didn't happen because of Corona. And that's completely fine. It's all good. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It, it, sorry, I was going <laughs> to say, like, you're, you're not alone. You're not alone. That's, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was a really strange way how it happened and... You know, we we're like, I think literally the day before the lockdown, we we're like about to go play in Corpus. And my friends were like, dude, I don't think we should go. And I was like, why was happening? It's like, have you heard about this Corona thing? I was like, what's <laughs> that? And I had lived through the the swine flu era. Sure. Like, right. you know, I was in uh, elementary and uh, and at that time, that was a big deal as well. It didn't impact me that that much because like you know i was a little kid i didn't think anything of it so right. when coronavirus happened i thought it was something like that until like i really really saw it when i was trying to get groceries one day like with my friends like before band practice actually and i saw that like all the supermarket like food was gone and i saw all the toilet paper was gone I was, and, I, and it was something like it, it frightened me a bit and i was yeah. like guys like when we got to the prep band practice we're like okay yeah we're canceling this because this is this is insane. I don't know right. what is going on. You're kind of just like, you know, in your own zone with music until reality hits. And then like, whoa, what's happening with the world? <laughs> so let's yeah. just, so then we all just kind of like for everybody's safety, we just, you know, but like just sat down and our home, like are at home and then just continued college when, you know, try to finish it off and, you know, right. that. well, that's good. Better safe than sorry, man. And again, yeah, you're not for this, this whole situation. Um, of course. Yeah. Any um, are there any notable acts that you guys played with? Let's see. We had played with. There is a band that got well known in the emo scene 
a band called Pictures of Vernon. Have you ever heard of them? No, I've never no. heard of them. No, I haven't they, heard of them. They are pretty well known in the emo scene. We played with a band. We played at Kississippi. Uh, I was afraid. I think the biggest act we've ever played with was the band Wand because now they're like, uh, now they're on like you know, they have a charting album now. And I was like, wow, wow. Band, the band has an, a charting album. We played with them. That's that's next level. <laughs> I guess yeah, I was like, yeah. wow, that's really cool. And also like they're like that that band's like my friends. Like I know those guys and they're they're really fun to talk to. And I I've known them like ever since they started. And now that they've gone a long way with Drag City Records and they have their own records. So that was. Uh, Sick. That was a really big deal for me. I'm pretty sure that's the biggest one. Wands. Cool. I could say. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, I was just gonna say, I, I there was something I wanted to ask. Um, Go ahead, Chris. So, how did the uh, second and Charles show come about? Because oh, I didn't yeah. even I didn't even know. Like, <laughs> I know they sell vinyl. Like, I have one that just opened up around me in Pennsylvania not too long ago, but I didn't realize they did shows. Like, I know they have a kind of a smorgasbord, if you want to call it that, of like. Enter electronics, yeah, <laughs> and entertainment like books and music and yeah. everything, toys, Funko Pop, all that sort of stuff, comic books and all that sort of stuff. But I did not realize it sounds a little bit like kind of a Barnes and Noble in a way, yeah. and then you can have shows there as well. I didn't realize that. Like, I re- yeah, a really funny story about that. Um, before sec- we we had barely got a second in Charles, like I believe two years ago, and uh, I I played there because they're actually the only record store in our in our small town really well, not small but yeah laredo and in laredo they're the only ones before second and charles though and i think when it when it first started we had we had a small record store owned by Beto. It, it's a, a the owner i know he's a friend of mine uh, he actually we played the first maple show at his record shop and coincidentally it's called second chance music store <laughs> <laughs> and then and then like competitor this ginormous barnes and noble-esque thing comes along called second and charles and then people kept poking fun but uh, yeah like we got that show there because uh you know i kept going there it's a record store like i'm i'm there all the time you know pre-covid i was there all the time looking at records and they kept getting a bunch of cool stuff like a bunch of rare ones too and you know like wow. they would incidentally price them not correctly like cheaper and i could like i can just get this right here oh wow and like i knew the owners and we talked about it and they had booked some metal band to play there because they wanted to try it and they said it was the worst thing ever (laughs) we're not a metal band trust me and they're like okay all right well i will even play acoustic electric like okay cool let's do that (laughs) it went went really great because it's so spacious it's so big very family family friendly place all ages too and wow. you know people were just sitting down like on little chairs and listening and it was a really nice experience i like playing there <laughs> cool that's fun man that's i you know i never i never heard of the place second and charles oh yeah it's really nice uh, fairly new from what i know yeah it's pretty new they sell all the cool stuff there <laughs> Nice. So, are you working on anything new? Any new material now? Can our oh, listeners yeah. expect to see like any new singles dropping? <laughs> we, I had planned to do um, more music releases after that tour that was planned for this year, but then COVID happened. The studio had closed for a bit, and then I just decided not to record yet. But the time that I have spent like not doing school, which was a lot like the whole summer. 
and yeah. stuff. I was constantly writing and writing and writing. Wow. So many things was happening around the world. And I was just writing about it because that's, I'm the kind of writer that I realize now that as I got older, I'm the writer that writes about like what's happening to other people. Like, okay. Cause you know, I write about myself, but I write what hap- what's happening, I guess, to other people, other things happening in the world. So I've been writing about that. And, you know, I, I picked 10 out of like the thousands of songs, <laughs> like, okay, these, and then next week, Oh man, I wrote a song better at the change it <laughs> up. And, I have this pile of songs ready to go. I have like, like two albums worth of like songs that I really want to go record after all this. And like, it's going to be a fun experience seeing everybody again. Cause everybody's down to do it, do go record again. And I can't wait for that. So something is planned. There is things hap- that I want to do, but you know, it's just COVID's in the way. Sure. Also, right. That also goes with playing live and stuff. Of course. But, sure. to, but to answer your question. Yes. <laughs> noise and do you think that you know when you do your next release that there might be you know some vinyl that comes along with it with some different variants (laughs) of course there has to be yes (laughs) awesome oh yeah so now you own your own record label which is pretty crazy like how did how did that happen like how does one start a record label i imagine it's got to be like a huge task that you you've taken on yeah. Uh, so it, it started a little bit before the Maples thing because I got into sub pop music like uh, Nirvana and all that. So I got into like the Soundgarden, Tad, and uh, like Blood Circus. And I was listening to the bands and I realized they're all on one label. And I was like, what the heck? This is so cool. Uh-huh. So I was listening to the grunge music and then I found this documentary called Hype. And I found out about sub pop, like the sub pop single club, and I and then I found out how sub pop started, very DIY, and then it branched out to me finding out about K Records with beat happening. It's in uh, Seattle, Washington, uh, Olympia, Washington, and I was like, "What the heck? I want to do this. Like, this is really fun. Like, I could you imagine? Like, all in my head, I was thinking, there's punk bands in my own town that want to do this, and Sick. to my realization, that wasn't." That's not what happened. <laughs> I, went, I went to ask, and I was like, I went to ask friends that were in their small bands, and I was like, like, hey, can I put you on a cassette tape? Like, I know how to record on a cassette. I learned how to do it. I could make the J card. I can get blank tapes. I can get them in color. And they're and then they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, aren't cassettes like dead? Like, why would you want to do that? <laughs> I was like in in high school, and the people were freaking out. Like, first of all. Why, why don't we just do it digitally? And I was like, oh, no. Like, okay, yes, we can as well. <laughs> oh, but <no. laughs> like, it's just so much better. And, like, I, I remember, like, uh, like, you know, like some, like some friends coming over to my place and, like, have the cassette recorder. And I'm like, all right, let's record your little EP. And they're like, what the heck are we doing? I thought this was a – I thought you said you had a studio. I was like, no, dude, I'm recording on the cassette. <laughs> <laughs> and so I started out um, finding bands not in my hometown because those, you know, at first people were like speculating, like, what the hell is this? And I found I went on Bandcamp. I found I went to the bottom page of like you know like the punk section or like the grunge section or the indie section and sure. found the really small bands. And I listened to them. I found some. I found a really good one called the Asthmatics, and I had talked to them. 
and we were like, okay, let's do let's do a tape of your EP. It sounds great. And then to my realization, oh, we're from Australia. Oh, oh. shit. <laughs> so then, so I was like, okay, cool. I have an Australian band. Let's do a tape. And, you know, did tapes of my friends, some bands out of town, uh, like out of the state. And then it became out of the country. And just releasing very small cassette tapes, like amounts. And uh, and I mainly did this, one, because, yeah, I wanted to get into the, like, the, the, the fad of the past. But also, I had realized how hard it was to be in a record label in general. Like, you know, yeah. there's always the story of I submitted my demo. I never got a reply. I went to the guys in person. They told me I sucked. I hated yeah. that. Like, I, I really did not like that. And, yeah. you know, I wanted things to be simple and give people the milestone of having a release, like, you know, physically so they could sell something because T-shirts were super expensive. Like, I know they're not really expensive, but to an artist that has no money that wants to make music, it is expensive. It's a, yeah. like, you know, to them, it's a lot. But if you release a cassette tape that you could sell for five bucks and it takes, you know, like like two bucks to make, they make $3 profit and, you know, like, hey, and you didn't make a lot. And, you know, you can come back and say, hey, can we do more? Let's do it. Let's do more. And you build up from that and just give them, give them that milestone, give it to them. Like right. something, because if you just, if you just give the, the, like the idea of I'm an artist, let me go to a big giant record label. And they tell, you, no, that's going to destroy you. Like you're going to yeah. feel like, Oh, I can never do it. But if you, if you go to a DIY label, you start off small, you know, that gives you like, okay, I could do this. Like I can get smaller to bigger. And cause that was the, that was the thing bands would tell me all the time. Like, Oh, so right. you, where's your tower, bro? Like, like you're a giant record label? <laughs> like, no, dude, I'm a DIY record label. Like, this is fun. Like, this is small. This is, we could do this. Like, this is great. And this you're is, providing okay, what sounds like a stepping stone for, yeah, for right bands that just don't have the resources or, or maybe even the confidence or even the material, you know, to, to go to a, a, a larger name like record label and exactly. you're, you're giving them that chance. You're saying like, Hey, like you don't have to have a million dollars. You don't, you know, you don't have to be the best, best musician ever. It doesn't have to be the most polished shit. Like exactly. Yeah. If, if I like it. It sounds good. Let's put it out there. Let's see what happens. And you know what? That's a beautiful thing because that really does help a musician like realize like, Oh, like I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep going. And then they can slowly build and they can get to a point where they're more polished or, you know, they have the confidence to do whatever, you know what I'm saying? Whatever it takes, yeah. whatever's necessary exactly to get to that next level. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. I like that. And also, uh, we had some bands that would come in, record with us. I do a couple releases and then they're like, oh, dude, um, a, like a label that's a little bit bigger than you asked us to go with them. And that's on dude. Are you like, are you kidding me? Go, go do it. Like this is, we were just the, the middleman stepping stone kind of deal on your career. Just go do it. Like that's have so cool. Go, enjoy it. Like, you know, I didn't keep any of their music. All I did was just make, just make the little physical stuff so they can help them do it. You know, I had some copies to sell just to, you know, you know, kind of fluctuate like, and uh, get the money back and release more tapes. And that's just how it was. It was no really profit. It was all fun. It was just, you know, yeah. I want to help bands like, because bands like 
because if you're a person who likes music and I guess you didn't grow up the way I did, you know, you're going to, you're going to think this is impossible. And sure. if, you're, if you go see a movie, I guess back then at the time you go see a movie of a famous band, you're most likely seeing a multi-million dollar band. You're not yeah. seeing a small band. Right. And in two hours, they show you where they started big giant label, no in between. Right. You know, like the Selena series, they showed you like the progression of it. And, yeah. and, it's, and you're there like, man, they took a long time to get to where they're at. Back Hard. then when I was younger, they didn't have movies like that. Right. And that's what special it is. Nice. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. And you mentioned that you, you're able to do this with like tapes and you, you release a lot of stuff on tape. Um, are any of the bands that you've worked with on the label, did, did you ever get like any vinyl for them? Sadly, no, because, because of how expensive vinyl was back then and yeah. when it is now. To is, do yeah. it, as, as you all know, yeah, it's like really expensive. It's it yeah. is the the biggest seller though in physical media because it's had a giant return. Like if you go on Netflix, any show ever, any show, I don't care what era it is, in the background there's a record player. <laughs> That's what yeah. I noticed. <laughs> and it's just there, and it's so cool. And people are like, I want their their style. I want the record player. You know? Yeah. And yeah, man. It wasn't really like that with tapes. Tapes had been coming back. And uh, I didn't get to make records for bands, but I did make lathes for bands, like a lathe record. Okay, just gonna mention like because we had we had a um, a guest on. His name was uh, Tyler Tyler Bisson. And what you had Tyler on here? Yeah. Oh, you he, know he him? Made, yes, he made <laughs> lathes for my band. That's oh, amazing. dude, yeah. <laughs> he made That's our first. Uh, he had our first uh, five inch lathe circle thing. <laughs> Five inch lay the record, a split that's, with another band. Dude, like, that's that was sick. our first, you know, turntable thing ever. That was great. You know, I can't believe you had a podcast with him. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I think he, he was like, hold on, I'll tell you right now. He was the sixth or seventh episode. Um, yeah, he was the sixth episode, right? Yeah. You know so what's you funny? Listen to that one, man. It's yeah. a, it was a good episode. You know what's <laughs> I'll funny? Check that up. You know what's funny? I, I I was looking at your store envy uh, store, and uh, I saw yeah one of yeah I think I was looking in, in fact at you know the Maples albums, and I saw a lathe cut, and I thought of Tyler. So it's just funny that it ended up actually being a cut right. that Tyler did. So <laughs> that's just that's just so how coincidental is that? That's crazy. Oh yeah, Tyler's really good. He did say he's like the longest running like lathe cutting operation mm-hmm. in the US. Not totally surprised, but like that is pretty cool. That's awesome. It is. And Tyler's really nice. Like he's really great. Yeah. Like I, I've talked to him and I'm always throwing ideas like a maniac and he's like <laughs> he's always replying to me, Oh, I could do this, I could do that. I can't do that. No, dude, can't do that. That's kinda of expensive idea you're thinking about there. <laughs> At least he's realistic, and he's realistic, but he's also really positive about it too. Oh yeah, of course. It's cool that you have a soundboard, you know, that you can just kind of like shoot ideas to, and he can just kind of be like, you know, give you feedback and and give you you know advice and stuff like that. Because you know, you mentioned like DIY, like this is a DIY label, and it's like I, I when I think of DIY now, I think of him, I think of Tyler. So yeah. like. The fact that you're working with them already, like that's a that's perfect. That's amazing. <laughs> that's so cool. That is great. So you have that one record that we spoke about from the one that variant that you wore out. <laughs> yeah. So 
that, I'm, I'm guessing like that was an album that you kind of considered like a grail album, like a yeah. holy grail. Do you have any other ones that are like out there that you consider like, oh, that's like a grail album like that? That's something that I really want right now. It's kind of out of reach, but like, you know, that I need to have that as part of my collection. Oh, uh, yes. There is many. <laughs> uh, what's one I could think? Because I do, I do have a lot of records of albums, but you finally gave me a question that I cannot answer so quickly. <laughs> That's all right. Take your time, man. I would God, think, God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Maybe you know. To be truly honest, okay. Does it have to be something that actually exists? <laughs> Well, uh, not I mean, necessarily. Yeah, I, I mean, because it, it, it doesn't exist. That's fine. That's fine. Okay. It like mainly there's band box sets that were only released on CD, and I, I and if they were to be released on vinyl, I would listen to that like crazy, like the like the the with the lights out box set from Nirvana. And oh, if they had nice. released that on vinyl. I know that probably take like six records or something to make, <laughs> but if they ever did, like that's something I'll, I would like to outspin forever. <laughs> nice, that'd be nice. something I'd like. You know, with all the box sets that are coming out, like especially like you know with Record Store Day this past year being three drops, uh, and and obviously Record Store Day twenty twenty one coming up in a couple months, assuming it's coming out in April, um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that they do. You know, it's funny. I was I was taught I was saying to uh, Antonio the other day. Speaking of uh, albums that would be great to own on vinyl but don't necessarily exist right now, one I was like, "Oh, do you know how insane, how how like how insanely expensive one a Marilyn Manson box <laughs> set would be, but then how much it would be worth later on, and then yeah. two, you know, I was just like, I would buy that in a heartbeat. I don't care if it would cost three or four hundred dollars. Of course. When you consider how much his albums just, you know, appreciate and appreciate, like, yeah, like, like the new one that just came out that I got this year, Chaos, immediately, like, it was 35 when I bought it. Uh, It's up, it was at, as far as I know, at the end of the year, it was up to almost $200. So it's just crazy how much those appreciate, you know. Um, about that, like, you know, to own like someone's box set like that. Like how amazing that would be! Like I totally agree because somewhere within the like the late '80s, early '90s to 2000s, there was a lot of boxes coming out of bands from the past that they were like, "We gotta release this, we're gonna die." <laughs> so they released <laughs> yeah. it on CD or cassette, and I was like, "This is great because you could fit so much music on a CD and on a cassette." Sure, but man. I, I like I was really waiting for like you know, a box out of like joy division or something like oh, something man. huge. Like, yeah. like, like the, those would be so great. Like that Marilyn Manson thing you mentioned, like, Oh yeah. Like the resale value on those things are, would be crazy. Like yes. that one black metal band that had released like the biggest box set on vinyl ever, like oh. the resale value. And that's like thousands of dollars. Like it's so, it's insane. It's so worth it's insane. it. With the resurgence of vinyl and the fact that, you know, COVID hit and a lot of, artists were just unable to tour and just like kind of looking for for another source of income that that's totally possible releasing a box set on vinyl i mean i've noticed i've noticed so much more like vinyl 
being released by artists and like all these different variants coming out because they, they're just people aren't touring and it's like well how right. are we going to make money well we can put merch out okay what's what's like one of the most popular like physical formats right now vinyl so you know that's, right. that's it's just a no-brainer for a lot of these artists to come mm-hmm. out with you know with different variants repressings and all that stuff so you never know let's look out for some some box sets guys yes oh yeah of course (laughs) so last question here and then uh we'll get on to the on the platter segment is there an album from 2020 that stands out for you Hmm. another one that got you stumped huh yeah another one got me stumped because i've been listening to music uh it's tough because there actually there were quite a few good albums that came out i, I can tell you mine i've and i've tell, mentioned you told me yours first well, i never listened to touche amore and oh, okay. i discovered them this year when their new album came out and i am totally and completely obsessed with their new album lament i for me hands down that is the album of 2020 um so for, for me it's it's easy it's an easy decision uh, even though there was like a lot of like really good stuff that came out, like Deftones, Ohms came out, and there it is again. We have to mention Deftones. I was on just every gonna say, oh yeah, Deftones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so for me, it's it's definitely Lament by Touche Amore. Of course, yeah, like like that's a really good one because like, I I'm gonna be honest, I wasn't a Touche Amore fan as much as I should have been. Like not that I didn't like them, I just didn't hear them as much. And there was this one blue record that I saw Hot Topic, and I was like, what is this? This is kind of cool. It's a, it's a blue album. And okay. uh, I forgot what it's called. Then it came on 20-something-something. Something. And I got it, and I was like, this is really cool. What the heck is this? Then I ended up buying a Buried Between Buried, uh, Between the Buried and Me record. And I was like, that was blown oh, away. Oh, nice. nice. I think an album that I listened to the most that I think represented a lot of a, a lot of feeling – of 2020 would have to be a, a, re- a record from a band called P22. And actually, I have it right next to me. <laughs> it Just in case y'all were. <laughs> Sorry, right here. P22 or Peak? Oh, P22. Okay, so the letter, like the letter P22. P22. This one. <laughs> that's a dope it's cover. Oh, that's cool. That is a dope yeah. cover. It's called Human Snake. It's their like first vinyl release. It's like an EP. It's a EP release has like seven songs on it. It's like a really fast hardcore punk. Uh, it's a female a female lead singer, female drummer, and then the, some dudes on the other instruments. And this is really cool. Uh, it's called cool, man. The, the record's called Human Snake. The band is called P P Twenty Two. They're from uh, California, Los Angeles, California, and they're just it's a really really fast record. Like like Wait, once you listen like, to it, like. Oh yeah, it's punk rock. It's like okay. nice. It's it's more seventies punk rock, like that style than hardcore. But okay, I really recommend this record because once you put on the record player, it's done in like sixteen minutes, and it's just wow. Unreal. That's a fast trip. The drums go really hard. That's did, awesome. you find, hmm? did you find? Did you find that on Bandcamp? Actually, yes, but I, I like you could find it on Bandcamp, but actually, the drummer of P twenty two. Is the keyest of wand. Uh, oh, Sophia okay. So you know him. Yeah, I know him. And uh, I say this one because 
because of the sound that it, that it gave, I thought it really resonated to what was going on in 2020. I know the songs are probably not written about it, but I think it resonated the most. Nice. And uh, yeah, she's a drummer. And she, and I didn't know she was a drummer until I discovered the band. I was like, what the heck is this? This is really cool. And uh, uh, you can get it on their label called Post Present Medium, PPM, Post Present okay. Medium. And like, yeah, that's really cool. Nice. Awesome, man. <laughs> well, thank you so much for answering all our questions. It was very interesting to learn about the Maples and all about like your whole journey throughout, you know, your musical career. Uh, your label and everything. Uh, so thank you again for, for joining us. That brings us to the On the Platter segment of the show. Oh, God, it's so good. Mm, so good and tasty. So today we're going to be discussing Bleach by Nirvana, which was released in 1989, and it's the band's debut album. Um, you know, uh, when we set this up, you know, we, we kind of try to get an idea of like what our guests listen to. Sometimes we'll, we'll try to guess, but like it's, it's better when we try to actually, you know, figure something out for this segment beforehand. And, you know, you had mentioned Nirvana and you mentioned that you're like a huge fan of Bleach and I have it. I think we all have it on vinyl. Um, it's a, it's a great album. I will say it's not my favorite Nirvana record, but now that now that we've spoken to you and <laughs> and we we understand like your taste in music and how you listen to music, I get it. I like totally <laughs> a thousand percent like get like why this is this is your favorite Nirvana album, right? Yeah. Okay. It is, yeah. Okay. Awesome. There's a whole reason to it too, and like, it's just it's an amazing record. Like to me, like yeah, Nevermind was great, and In Utero was great, but yeah. for me, Bleach was something that, when I heard it, I was like, man, this is, like, really thrashy, like, really, like, uh, you know, like a punk sound, but I, I, to be honest, the first song I ever heard from Nirvana was Smell Like Teen Spirit and, right. and Nevermind, sure. and the, the album Nevermind, and so when I heard Bleach, I was like, what is this? This is, like, really raw, and I thought, like, yes. yeah. oh, this is really great. And that that brought me into punk music, because I would have never discovered it until I heard Bleach, and I, and then it became the Nirvana ended up being my favorite band ever, because I I love the lyricism of Kurt Cobain and and I'm like the biggest <laughs> I'm like the biggest fan of Laredo of Nirvana. <laughs> I have like all the singles on cassette and on CD wow. and on vinyl. I have the the albums and all the books and everything. And I really like researched the band and the, how they toured and the members that were with and how Kurt Cobain wrote his music. And it really influenced me because the music he listened to ended up influencing me, which ended up, which ended up me listening to folk music. And then I got really into Bob Dylan and Led Belly. And when he played the MTV Unplugged, I was like, wow, this is amazing. And cover that yeah. he does. Unplugged, incredible! Oh, so good! It's an, an incredible thing. So, so Bleach really influenced the way I played because I was like, man, how do I play these songs? I want to play them on the guitar, and and then it just was a very different way how to play the songs because the chords were were all over the place. They were different, and I, and it really taught me uh, my own like my own style because I listened to the grunge music, and and then I kind of made my own chords, and I did this and that, and 
but I had listened to, I like burnt myself out listening to Bleach <laughs> like uh, on the, on a CD. I had had the CD at the time when I was little because I had ended up taking a CD player to school and I burnt that out. But uh, yeah, Bleach was the, the landmark album of my mu- of like me as a listener that influenced wow. my music and what I wanted to sound like and uh, the message I wanted to bring and all that. And nice. it was a really great album for me. That's uh, that's really cool that you like went back and you were like, well, first of all, the fact that like you listen to it and you're like, wow, what is this like? Holy shit! And then you started listening to like to like other music that was similar to that. So you you were exposed to like the whole punk genre through that, and then you decided, well, what did Kurt Cobain listen to? Like, what were his influences? And you allowed those influences to become your own. So that's pretty fucking awesome. Um, oh, yeah. you know, personally, I don't, uh, okay. Like, so when I listened to the maples, like I immediately got like a white stripes Weezer sound. Oh my God. And I'm sure <laughs> my producer told me. Time. Oh, okay. <laughs> Spot on. It's fantastic. I mean, that's, I, look, I love that music. I love that kind of like garage rock sound. It, it really does just it reminds me a lot of that that era like that grunge era um and even that early like 2000s like the white stripes like i said like i would i wouldn't have connected you to nirvana but listening to bleach i get it and i see the connection so yeah. very cool very cool again yeah, very personally like bleach i guess it, it's not my favorite album of nirvana's and it's probably because I, I don't have that kind of connection to it. Like you, you kind of had this whole experience with it. Whereas I, I really didn't. I listened to, you know, um, oh my God, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never mind. This happens. This happens. There, right? like, <laughs> so I listened to Never Mind, and like that was the album. You know, obviously, a lot of people were exposed to Nirvana because of Never Mind and because of Smells Like Teen Spirit. Um, and then, you know, in your, in utero, and then I really got into like the unplugged stuff, which half those songs, more than half those songs aren't even Nirvana songs, but bleach for me is definitely like a way to just learn about where Nirvana came from and like how they Mm -hmm. evolved and you can hear it. You can really hear like where they, they came from and like the progression of the music. I can almost imagine like what it would sound like if it was produced the same way that ner- net, that Nevermind was produced. Oh, yeah. Ooh. But, I, but I, that being said, there are definitely some really great songs on it that, that I enjoy listening to. Uh, I think my like my favorite is Negative Creep. I fucking love oh, okay. that. I think that's a great fucking track. Like, oh, yeah. Negative Creep is a great song. That one's a great one. That's fucking so good, man. I love it. That's that's my favorite song. Chris, do you have like a favorite track? Yes. Uh, in fact... Uh, I really like like that's a great song. I, I really like Floyd the Barber. I yes. don't know. There's just something yes, like that yeah. One. It's so it's so dark, but it also just like made me think of obviously the character from the '60s show. Um, I don't know. It's just it's so good. It's so dark. It's just about like you know, <laughs> it's really just about like killing someone. But uh, oh yeah, yeah. I I I found like that's that's probably my favorite song. But I, going through the whole album it was so funny because it's not my favorite album either but i i listened to it again 
and I appreciate the fuck out of it. And after yeah. hearing you talk, you know, Josh, after hearing you talk about it, like I appreciate it even more. And sure. going through, I was like, man, like it's so raw. I wouldn't even consider that grunge yet because yeah. they were still finding no. their sound. Definitely not. Mm-hmm. Like sub pop was the one like kind of pushing the whole like, you know, it's gotta be grungier, it's gotta be but they're like Let's do whatever the fuck we want. Let's not give a fuck what exactly. it sounds like. Let's just do what we like and uh, let's just scream a lot on it. Like, you know, just <laughs> show, <laughs> give a lot of emotion. It really is really raw. It is. But it's so good because, like, I was like, okay, about a girl. Honestly, I was listening to it. I was like, fuck, the beat sounds like a Beatles song. Like, it just sounds like a Beatles mm-hmm. song. You hear that like, Beatles influence. You do. Yeah, I was yeah. like, that's like, I was like, you, you make it clean. That is a Beatles song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like so good. School to me sound like a mix between Jimi Hendrix and the Doors and ACDC. Yeah. And overall, it just sound yeah, like I don't know. Paper cuts remind me a bit of like a slowed down Faith No More mixed with typo negative. Like I was like, shit, they're listening to like so <laughs> many different things. There's definitely yeah. It's, it's yeah. raw. It's it's there are definitely like some straight up punk songs. Yes. And there's just some stuff that you're just like out of left field you're like what the this is a nirvana song like this it's yeah. just it's crazy mm-hmm. it's crazy um josh do you have like a favorite track my favorite track i'm tied between three songs okay. one floyd, floyd the barber school and big cheese like nice. those are one of my favorites but i think school has to be the most because that was the that was like the real heavy song i played live where like you know, before the Maples and I was solo and I had like the, the two piece bands or the three piece bands. And I remember like, uh, auditioning for like a, like a, a school, uh, talent show, like in middle school. And I told them I was going to play Nirvana song and they thought, you know, smells like teen spirit. And I played school, the song school <laughs> and they freaked out. They're like, what the heck is this? It's like metal song. Like, no, dude, it's not a metal song. It's Nirvana. It's Nirvana. <laughs> it completely freaked out and it i I played that that was like probably the song like one of the first ones i played live with the electric guitar uh and i kept playing it and people kept thinking it was a song of my own i was like no dude it's a nirvana song and people ended up listening to bleach because of that instance and now i had (laughs) had made friends that ended up being nirvana fans because of that and like that was really cool because like and and again like the influence on me and nirvana like i yet did heard the albums I heard Bleach and I wanted to know more, so I bought the the with the with the lights out box set. I keep mentioning that, yes. my bad. But uh, <laughs> it's great because it comes with a DVD, and that DVD shows you like the tour, the Bleach tour, and their beginning. And man, I was like, like this is like amazing. Like, look at this. Like that was like the first instance that inspired me to go out there and go tour. Like, like, like not tour, but like to make a band and go do that. Like, you know, like sure. being a band, the dream, and when I saw that and all the things they went through and like being a kid and like liking that band and then realizing that, that you know, cause at the time I thought the guy was still alive. I thought Kurt Cobain was still alive. And wow. then I realized that he had passed away. And I realized that a lot of artists I was listening to passed away. And that was like one of the, one of the things that as an artist that I chose to, you know, be the best at like taking care of my mental health and like not not drinking not doing drugs because i want to make a good impression on like people who listen to me that you know make a positive impact on them because it yeah. really sucks being a kid that likes all this music and then discovering that 
all of them, most mostly all of them are passed away dead because, yeah. you know, drinking and doing drugs and sure. you know, just bad behavior and all this stuff. Like that's, you know, wow. that sucks. Like you want to, because I, I had a lot of friends I went to go see their their favorite bands and I couldn't see mine. And it's just, right. you know, right. I really thought about it. Like, you know, let me do a positive message like with this band and like, you know, not be like that. And, you know, do music because I love music and not do it because I'm forced. And, you know, make a positive impact. So that's what Bleach did to me. It was a gateway to learning about that, about music, because everybody's thought about rock and roll is, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And yeah, right. it doesn't have to be like that, that, that right. terrible thought like that. You know, music can be something great that impacts your life in a great way that you go with it your whole life. Like, you know, it's like exercising or meditation, like not just, you know, to party and go crazy and ruin your life. It's not like that. So right. that's, that's also the message I was trying to bring for my band. So that's what bleach has done for me. So yes, in awesome. simple terms, my favorite song is cool. <laughs> cool. cool. <laughs> sorry, man. No, that's all right, dude. Don't, don't be School sorry, man. Cool. That's, um, we'd love to hear that, man. You know, it, it, it's, it's great. I, look, we picked the record because we know that it relates to your music and, and to your, you know, to your musical tastes. So, you know, the talking about how it impacted you is very relevant. So thank you for that. <laughs> of course. Yeah. I didn't want to give like a, you know, because I, I've seen some friends do some, some uh, interviews and they're like, what's your favorite album? Oh, it's this. Well, why? Oh, it's pretty good. I want to tell you why. <laughs> I'll give you a toward answer. <laughs> so, Chris, do you have any facts about the album? I do, and you know, uh, I'll, I'll I'll keep it short here. Um, all right. <laughs> so, uh, the first one is uh, Kurt Cobain told Spin in 1993 that he didn't give a flying fuck what the lyrics were about, and when he wrote the songs for Bleach, which he did while he was pissed off the night before they started recording, he said. Let's just scream negative lyrics, and as long as they're not sexist and don't get too embarrassing, it'll be okay. He said, <laughs> otherwise, I don't give a shit about any of these lyrics. They, know, they, have, they mean nothing to me. Wow. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Kurt yeah. Cobain. Yeah, which is great. Which is great. And it's just, it, it, it definitely, you, I, I felt like after I read that, like you can definitely hear that coming through. Like mm -hmm. he's just like, let's just scream a lot and just fucking like be angry. Screw it. Let's do it. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, uh, apparently, the name Bleach came from an AIDS prevention poster. Uh, so um, originally, the album was going to be called Too Many Humans. And he changed the name when he saw a poster for AIDS prevention in San Francisco, which advertised, uh, advised heroin users to bleach their needles prior to using them. Damn. Which is great. Bro, so basically, bro, I just... Didn't know about that part. <laughs> but basically just like you want to do heroin don't forget to bleach it don't forget to bleach the needle like i just think it's so funny just like do it but be clean yeah right i, I guess they thought like you know they're gonna do it anyway if you're gonna do it don't get aids you know yeah yeah, yeah. seriously it's like overdose on heroin because that's just affecting you but if you get aids and then you have sex with someone and you give them AIDS, then you're just spreading disease. So bleach, bleach your needles. Yeah, Jeez. don't forget to bleach your needles. God, um, 
<laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, so uh, maybe not surprisingly, but this ended up being Sub Pop's best-selling record of all time. So prior to the release of uh, Nevermind, Bleach had only sold 40,000 copies in the U.S. and had not charted at all. Um, Geffen Records later decided to put it out on an international re-release of the album uh, after seeing the success of its follow-ups, and it peaked at number 89 on the top 200 um, and ended up selling about 2 million copies as of today. So it it ended up making Sub Pop, you know, Sub Pop's best-selling album of all time which is interesting good for them yeah Yeah. (laughs) good for them yeah every time you need money they just repress it (laughs) (laughs) it yep yep you're absolutely right jeez (laughs) or their single sliver and dive they just (laughs) yeah (laughs) i remember people thinking the mets were going to be the next nirvana on sub pop (laughs) the mets yeah the mess the mess is a great band have you heard them in the Mets? We so what's funny is we reached out to Sub Pop and they got back to no us. No way! They yeah. got back to us and we're like, "Did you?" Th-? I'm like, "Chris, did you think that Sub Pop would actually get back to us?" I said, "No." Right? And I'm like, "Holy <laughs> shit!" And no the first band that they said that they wanted to try to get on the show for us was the Mets. And no. Yeah, 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 but like we just never heard from them again. Again, <laughs> it was just like it was just like yeah, we're talking to management. We'll get back to you, and that was it. I mean, it's been you know, like at a least lot. two months at this point. I hope that happens. Well, hey, you never know. We might hear back from them, and they might be a guest eventually for us. Which yeah, is cool. You um, never know. We'll eventually yeah, follow we- up with Sub Pop. Yeah, yeah, I think maybe they're looking for more experience. They're probably looking for something. That's all these. That's what the labels look for. I met uh, the yeah. Mets actually at uh, Waterloo Records in Austin. They played for South by Southwest, and I I met them. They signed my debut uh, Mets record, and I was like, "Hey, you guys are amazing!" And they're like, "Cool, man, thanks." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> keep it moving. like thanks guy was that it chris were those the the only facts you had uh i did have i I have one more um let's see so yeah so basically uh you know uh we kind of mentioned this before before we even started the show um so several drummers actually played on this the the album um, you know, obviously Dave Grohl is kind of known as Nirvana's drummer, but he didn't join the group until 1990. Um, they had the Melvin's drummer, Dale Crover, play on Floyd the Barber, Paper Cuts, and Downer. And then they later hired um, Channing on drums instead. Uh, and they originally intended to re-record those songs, um, you know, with him playing, but ultimately decided to just keep Crover's versions instead. Oh, so wow. that, that's why you see two drummers credited uh, on the album. And Jason Everman for paying for the recording. Yes. <laughs> that ended up joining the, as a second guitarist. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, though, you know, like listening to the drums uh, on Bleach and then, you know, listening to Dave, Dave Grohl's drums like on, on um, Nevermind. Why do I keep forgetting the name of that album? I don't know. <laughs> Um, but uh, <laughs> never mind the name yeah, of the hey, album. Never right? mind. Uh, 
Um, but like <laughs> listening to listening to the drums, like you know, and I've said this about like other bands. I honestly feel that like his, aside from the fact that it's like a much more polished album, and you could tell that they're just a little bit more experienced in what they were doing. I feel like Dave Grohl's drumming really took the band to new heights. Oh yeah. You know, and I've said this about like Blink-182, you know, how when Travis Barker joined the band, like it it just elevated the sound. Um, And I think the same thing applies here with Nirvana. Like you just hear uh, a progression. And I think that Dave Grohl just added something so essential to what what they became, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're drumming like they're really fast, hard drumming. I know Kirk Cobain always wanted to find a drummer like that, but it, it never always happened. They had Chad, but then he had to leave because of uh, religious differences. But to hear, wow, to hear Dave Grohl drumming, like wow, it was it's it's amazing. It's and it's nothing. And it's not like it's anything crazy complicated. It's not like complex no. or anything like that. But it's just it added a whole other dimension. And but, also uh, the. The difference of a five hundred dollar album and a and a hundred thousand dollar record. <laughs> yes, yes, you're absolutely right. That might make a small difference, just a yeah. little, <laughs> just a little bit, just a little bit of a difference there. Um, but but th- thanks for those the uh, facts, Chris you and Josh. It. Thank you again so much for coming on the show. We had a great time with you. Thanks for answering all our questions, everybody. Please. Go check out the Maples. They are awesome, awesome, awesome. If you're into, in my opinion, if you're into Weezer, if you're into White Stripes, you're definitely going to like the Maples. So definitely check them out. You can stream them anywhere you stream music, Spotify, Apple, all that good stuff. Josh, if you have any last words to tell our listeners, any plugs you want to make, now's your chance. But I'll tell everyone is... Uh, for this COVID thing, please stay safe. Please stay indoors. I know how much you want to go see a show, but you really just need to stay indoors. Like it's better just to wait it out. Cause once, if you wait it out, a friend was telling me that once this is all over, it's going to be this ginormous celebration. And it's going to be really great. You got to be there to see it. And the only way you're going to be there to see it is if you stay indoors and just be safe. Exactly. So, so stay in there and uh, listen to music, have fun, play board games, you know, play with your pets <laughs> now you can really play with them all day long now yeah, man. and uh and in, and enjoy enjoy life inside as much as you can and uh and for my plugs uh i have vinyl cassette eight track and as of course you can stream me on spotify apple music and whatnot um my physical merch for my band is on big cartel just search up the maples we're on storm v on blade records and we have our band camp for the Maples as well. And uh, we have our stuff on there. So for tours, uh, we're not going to play like when COVID is around. We're going to wait it out. And however long it takes, we're going to wait for it. And uh, that only gives us more time because we're going to school. So what if if it's over and we know we're done with school, that means more playing live. <laughs> and uh, so we're going we're gonna to wait on that. So like I said, enjoy just everybody's hang hang on tight everything's gonna come back it will <laughs> as tempted as you are just watch netflix <laughs> <Sit> <laughs> home, buy more records support your artists if you really want to support 
uh, your friends' bands if you have money. Like, spend that extra 20 bucks to get a record or a T-shirt because like, that really, really helps a band out. Um, you don't know how much uh, 20 bucks means to a small band. Like, it's, it's it, it goes really far out there, and, and it really helps out. And, and thank you for both of you for having me. This was a really great podcast. Oh. You really let me go on and talk and talk and talk forever. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Oh, we, that's we, what it's all had, about. We had a blast, man. We, we loved having we you did. on. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Check us out on Instagram at Taste of Vinyl and on Twitter at Taste Vinyl. And remember, you can never own too much vinyl. Thanks, guys. Later. That's right. Take care. <laughs>